Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada. Well, on today's program, we continue our current series, Celebrating the Word of God. So let's listen to Dr. Neufeld as he teaches this message on the clarity of the Bible based on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. I wonder if you've ever been a part of an argument about Christian doctrine, or maybe you've argued with somebody about the interpretation of a Bible passage. You know, I think we've all been a part of that at some point in time in our lives. Some disputes are necessary, and I suspect some are not. Charles Wesley once wrote a hymn to support his brother John's doctrine of entire sanctification. The hymn is, Love Divine, All Love Excelling. And in one of the lines, it contains a verse, Take away our bent to sinning. John Wesley had taught that it is possible in this life to lose all desire to sin and therefore to cease from sinning entirely. In response to that hymn, Augustus Tople responded in a lengthy article about the fact that we hide our sins from ourselves and our debt of sin is much greater than we could imagine, but we shouldn't despair for although a lifetime of sinning makes us guilty in a way that we can't possibly imagine, the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice is enough. And so in response to Wesley, Tople wrote this hymn, Rock of Ages, in which he wrote, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thy fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. See, many a hymn book contains both of these hymns, not knowing that both hymns rise out of an intense theological battle, a battle that many of us actually know nothing about. Now, I raise this issue because I suspect that there are many of my hearers who have this sneaky feeling that the Bible is a very difficult book to understand. We've all seen Bible teachers and theologians and and pastors disagree with one another on various issues, and from that arises this notion that if all of those guys who study the Bible for a living, who are familiar with the original languages and know the nature of debates that I'm not even aware that existed— I mean, if that's what happens, what chance do I actually have in understanding the Bible for myself? It must be a very difficult book indeed. You know, in this installment of celebrating the Word of God, I want to speak about the clarity of Scripture. It's one thing to say that we believe that every word in our Bible comes directly from God. It's quite another to say we understand what it is that God is trying to communicate to us. But against this perspective that the Bible is hard to understand, let me ask us to consider Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. It's Moses speaking to the people of Israel. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now consider that Moses actually thought that children would be able to understand what was written. Furthermore, he also taught that regular, everyday people would be talking about the words of Scripture in a multitude of different settings that would include sitting in houses and while traveling and and walking with others. He had in mind so much more than a group of learned scholars hunched over desks with burning lamps who invested a lifetime into every detail of Scripture. Or listen to what Paul says in Romans 10 verse 8. The word is near you, he says, in your mouth and in your heart. He has in mind a very close personal relationship with the Bible, which in Romans 8 informs believers about their salvation, even in the midst of difficult theological differences. Or consider Psalm 19, verse 7. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Or Psalm 119, the longest of all the Psalms, a song of praise for the law. And verse 130 reads, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. That is, even people with minimal study skills will find both light and understanding when they read the Bible. The idea is that the Bible was written to the common man or the common woman and can be understood and applied and give insight into things that are a source of dispute among people. Fact, to even push this point further, when reading the Bible, the Bible seems to make the claim that our greatest problem in understanding it is not that we have intellectual problems in understanding, but rather that we have spiritual and moral problems. That's why we don't understand it. Consider Jesus' words to the Sadducees in Matthew 22, verse 29, when they were arguing about the resurrection of the dead. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures or the power of God. No, not that you are wrong because this is a very complex issue with a great many gray areas that all sorts of scholars struggle with, but you are wrong because you don't know your Bible. And I think that's exactly the point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The natural person does not accept or welcome with great joy the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. They're foolish. The Bible and its teaching so assaults the natural person's desire to glory in himself, so that when he or she comes to sections of the Bible that highlight their sin, their need for grace, their utter inability to save themselves, the reaction of the natural person is outright rejection. What nonsense, she says, and walks away without putting these teachings into practice. See, over and over again, the Bible seems to indicate that our primary problem with the Bible is not intellectual, but moral. Speaking of unbelieving Israel, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14, Paul writes, but their minds were hardened. To this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Or if you might, think about Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, and there he means a deeper insight into Scripture, who have their powers of discernment, watch this, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Wow, you don't get discernment until you turn your back on what is evil and immoral and turn to what is good. Now, I know that some of us struggle with this. Perhaps you're thinking about the debate about predestination or about baptism. And maybe you're confused about the book of Revelation and and what that actually means. And and by the way, you might struggle with whether you're premillennial or amillennial when you talk about the second coming of Christ. And then there's the fractious debate about women in ministry and then whether Christians have the right to defend themselves. And and then there's the debate over the New Testament view of church governance. Well, uh, you can see the arguments over the meaning of the Bible simply go on and on. And again, for many believers, their eyes simply cloud over. They may hear that this word is easy enough to teach to their children, but maybe, just maybe, that's only so if you keep it light and avoid some of the more difficult texts. Is the Bible really that easy to understand after all? Well, let me start from the beginning. I think it is of no advantage to have this discussion if you're not actually reading your Bible. And by that, I mean actually reading the whole thing. See, what am I talking about? Let me suggest some ways in which people think they're reading the Bible, but they're actually not. Here are some rather funny categories. Category number one first. There is what I call the Prozac Bible reader. 
where Bible verses are sought to answer your personal needs. Feeling anxious? Read Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing. Feeling ugly? Read Psalm 139, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Feeling tired? Read Matthew 11.28, my yoke is light. Feeling weak? Read Philippians 4.13, never mind the context, just take a Bible pill and cure all your problems. I call that the Prozac Bible reader, always looking for a verse to cure whatever distresses them. And second, there's the roulette Bible reader. I open my Bible and at random, I find a verse for today and then say, Holy Spirit, show me what part of this is for me today. And then third, there's the magical Bible reader. I mean, we all have questions. Should I get married? Should I find a job? Should I invest in this business or buy this house? And whatever the decision is. And when we read through scriptures, looking for some kind of wording that gives us a clue, maybe a secret message that's just for me. Now, not that I'm saying that this is always wrong, because it's not. But did you notice that in each one of these methods, the starting point is always us? what we need, what our problems are. Now, of course, God is interested in our lives, in our problems, in our struggles, and in all the things that confuse us. But for too many of us, we read our Bibles to discover more about ourselves, and it has not occurred to us that we should read our Bibles to discover something about God. Instead of imposing our agenda on Scripture, why don't we humble ourselves and ask, I wonder what God's agenda is in all of this. I'm actually tired of hearing so-called self-help Bible messages. See, here's a question. What if I became more interested in God than I was in myself? What if his glory and his power and his wisdom and his triune being and his direction in the events of history so overwhelmed me and allowed me to forget about myself for just a moment and concentrate on him? What then? I think I know what happens then. In the end, I begin to see my problems in the light of the glory of God, and that changes everything. You know, when we come back, we won't provide an easy answer to what the Bible says about everything, but we will find that when we allow God rather than ourselves to set the agenda to what the Bible says, we'll find out more about the Word of God than we ever thought possible. The way we read and approach the Bible has a profound effect on whether we honor or dishonor God's Word. While many critics continue to claim that it cannot be readily understood, we need to reinforce the opposite truth. Not only can the Bible be comprehended and applied, but when we make the effort to do this rightly and in proper context, our lives will be blessed beyond our imagination. So how do we get back to discovering the clarity and depths of God's Word? Well, Dr. Neufeld answers this right after the break. Today we want to share a unique opportunity to impact our nation and the world with the gospel. The world has come to our doorstep and never has there been a greater opportunity to share the gospel to all those who are making Canada their new home. Back to the Bible Canada is launching its new international ministry initiative and it begins right here at home with the daily Bible teaching program of Dr. Neufeld translated into three key languages beginning with Mandarin and to be broadcast online through podcast and mobile application, the most accessible mediums of our day. Your support allows the launching of this new initiative to a national and global audience. And today, the impact of your gift can be doubled. Your international gift this month will be matched up to $25,000 by others 
who share our vision for Bible teaching and the desire to maximize this great ministry opportunity around the world. So call us today with your gift at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. A great many people have taken some simple courses that allow them to open the doors to exciting Bible study. I'm grateful for all the inductive Bible study courses that allow the reader to open the pages of the Bible without any more than a curiosity of what they will find. But before I begin to explain some of the, those simple tools, might I suggest you follow a simple Bible reading plan that allows you to read through the whole Bible. You know, for my money, I think the best are those that allow you to read through the Bible in chronological order, getting a sense of the drama of the entire Word of God. And if you do that a number of times, you'll begin to get a feel for the entire thing. Now, when it comes to the study of an individual passage, many inductive study methods, even though obvious, are very helpful. So the first stage will be observation. What do you see? Who is the author or who is speaking? Where did this take place? When? What's going on? Do you notice key words that are repeated in a given text? Or maybe it's even a repeated phrase. And since the Bible is about God, what does the passage say about the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Start by learning the simple skills of observation. The next stage is interpretation. What does the text mean? And again, most inductive Bible study methods give a great set of tools that help with this. Uh, Those of you who have language skills in Greek or Hebrew have an advantage, but anyone with appropriate reading skills can do this. The many English versions of our Bible also help along with some interlinear texts where the original language for a word translated into English is given. And then finally, the skill of application. Given that I now understand what the Bible meant when it was first written, what is God saying to me right now? What is the appropriate application? Now, I know that there are those who think this method is not spiritual enough. They still look for some secret meaning in the text behind the text. But listen, what if God is straightforward? What if he means what he says and says what he means? What if the Bible is really a straightforward record of the words of God? Now, I think that's exactly what the Bible is. Now, I know that even as we read and let the Holy Spirit speak to us about what God actually revealed in the pages of Scripture using regular rules of human grammar, there will still be areas in which Christians will disagree. But we need to remember that even while there have been significant doctrinal disagreements on major matters throughout the history of the church, let's also not forget that there has been an amazing amount of agreement about key and central truths in Scripture. You know, I think, for instance, of the the famous Council of Nicaea held in A.D. 325 in which Christian bishops from all over the known world came together to discuss the nature of Christ, whether he was a created being or has been God from all eternity. And before those bishops arrived, there had been a great dispute and the bishops themselves seemed to have been confused and even divided on the issue. And a powerful teacher named Arius had been teaching that Jesus was a created being. But As the bishops met and studied the Bible together and challenged assumptions with the Bible, a great sense of unity centered the room. The clarity with which the Bible spoke to this matter when all other matters were set aside was abundantly clear. See, the Bible had had the last word. It had the authority to speak as no one else in the room had. 
And in the end, the testimony of Scripture won out. It was agreed the Bible was overwhelmingly clear. Christ was God over all from all eternity. As John 1 verse 3 reminded them that Christ is the creator of everything that has been made. And by the way, if Christ was made, then according to John 1 verse 3, he must have made himself, and all of the bishops knew that was nonsense. The Bible was in fact clear, but conflicting human opinion had muddied the water. Once the Bible took center stage again, and its authority was respected over conflicting teachers, a clarity was developed. And the point is not that on this side of eternity, we will reach agreement on all things. And, and the point is not that on all issues, we will find the Bible easy to understand. I mean, please remember that Peter himself said, and I'm reading from 2 Peter 3.16, that some of the things in Paul are, in his words, hard to understand. They do require some work and are not easy. But the point is that the Bible is overwhelmingly clear on a great many issues. The Bible is clear on the plan of salvation. It's clear on the necessity of faith. It's clear on a host of moral imperatives. It is clear that all history is moving to a climax when God in Christ will reign over all. And as one Bible teacher said, it's not the things that I don't understand that bother me the most. It's the thing that I do understand that bothers me. But if there is, as we have argued, a deep clarity on Scripture, what is the need of Bible teachers? Well, let me, since this I take personally, let me suggest five reasons why we need Bible teachers and then one warning about Bible teachers. So five reasons why we need Bible teachers. First of all, we need Bible teachers to reinforce that which we read and to encourage us to continue to depend on our Bible. Their job is to help reestablish with conviction that when we read the text of Scripture, God has spoken. Second, Bible teachers are also called upon to apply the text of Scripture. Not only are they to explain, but also to insist that we do not view the Bible only as a set of presuppositions or as part of doctrinal truths that we believe. Now, of course, those things are important. But the Bible, in the end, is God's word to us. And as God's words to us, sometimes we need to be rebuked, and sometimes we need to be corrected, and sometimes we need to be called upon to repent. And sometimes we need further training in righteousness. And sometimes we need to be challenged to make our obedience practical. And sometimes we need to believe afresh that which we know to be true. So a third reason why we need Bible teachers is to provide a depth we might not have had before. Very rarely will this involve a denial of what we once believed. I mean, that does happen, but often it will open up a new vista of what we once knew. There might be a new depth of insight, a further continuation of the truth that we know, a rich treasure house of knowledge we did not know before. A good Bible teacher will help us to see the historical background to a passage, a passage we may have known very little about, or ask us to pay attention to a new thought we simply did not understand in the past. You know, a fourth thing that Bible teachers do is challenge our assumptions. When I did a series on the reality of heaven, I pointed out that many Christians begin by thinking about heaven from a Greek perspective rather than a biblical one. 
We didn't even know that we were doing that. In fact, many of us begin to read our Bible with our own perspectives in place. But once we hear what the Bible perspective is and realize where our error lies, we can change our assumptions and read the Bible for what it truly is. And finally, a fifth thing provided by Bible teachers is that they can provide an apologetic, a defense of Scripture. We live in a day when the Bible is constantly being challenged, and we might not know the answer to all the things that the critics raise. Good Bible teachers help believers gain a greater confidence in the Word. But here's a word of warning. Good Bible teachers do not create doubt or take people in a direction not indicated in the Bible. You always know that you have been under a good Bible teacher when you open your Bible and you read the very word they preached on. And when you study it again for yourself, you can say, ha, I now I understand this passage very clearly. And that's the goal, to convince God's people that this Bible is clear enough that we can indeed teach our children and we can talk about it on the way and we can understand it and we can apply it to our lives and it's the source of life among us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the Bible, God's Word, God's Word that you have made so plain. Thank you that you have spoken to us in a way that even the simplest of us can understand. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Word of God. Amen. John, thanks for sharing today's message. And it's so important for us to understand how faithful the Word of God is and, and our desire to get into the Word of God. But, but we're also being taught. We're being taught by Bible teachers. And some of these teachers perhaps aren't teaching us the way they ought to. How do we identify false teaching? You know, I'm just going to start by saying a staple of all Bible teaching should be a verse-by-verse teaching of Scripture, highlighting what the text actually meant in its original context, and then applying it to our lives. So much of Bible teaching starts by saying, I want you to discover the lion or the lioness within, or I'm going to teach you how to have a great sex life or a great self-esteem. And they always pick on subjects that are not the subjects of the Bible. And I want to say that should be a huge word of warning for all of us. The Bible itself sets the stage for what it wants to say. We don't start with our topics and then fit the Bible into it. We allow the Bible to speak for itself and then try to understand it on its terms. And when we do that, it's amazing how much easier it will be to understand the Bible. When we understand how the Bible was written to be clearly read and applied, it should encourage us to read and study it even that much more. God has given us his word not to be picked up when it best suits us, or worse, to be abandoned altogether, but to enrich and equip us to live our lives for him every day. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. As we celebrate three years of ministry partnership with Back to the Bible India, we are blessed to report the Bible teacher program with Dr. John Newfeld is being heard across India and throughout much of Asia, including the Middle East and China. We're also excited to announce that we're continuing our pastor's Bible teaching conferences with this year's conferences taking place in Delhi and Hyderabad in June of 2019 providing training in expositional Bible teaching and encouragement to Indian pastors. Your prayers and support make both the Bible teaching program and the pastors' conferences possible. 
So this month, would you consider your support for these initiatives with an international ministry gift? For this international campaign, we're pleased to let you know that any gift today of any amount will be matched up to $25,000. Here is your chance to double what your gift can do around the world. Call us today at 1-800-663-2425 or give online at backtothebible.ca.